Hello! Welcome to Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball. I'm Josh Witt. Bonus episode one. Bracket thoughts edition. Follow me on Instagram at Burning Springs. Email the inbox is back on. Everything is not going to the trash. It's going to the inbox now. Once again, so send your emails to unreasonabledoubtwv at gmail.com. Got a couple of emails. Going to read one of them later. Facebook. You know? Facebook, you're familiar with that. The podcast is there. So do figure that out. Find the podcast page. Go from there. So we know West Virginia made the tournament, and we know where they're at in the bracket. They are a five seed in the East bracket. I said in the Kansas podcast that it looks like they're going to be a four, but I would not be surprised if they are a five seed. And so I hold true to that. But I'm what I am surprised in is how many WVU fans are blindsided by the five seed. I think it's because Texas Tech got in as a three seed and West Virginia's fresh off of beating them and beating them two out of three times this year with similar records. Um, Regardless, not surprised. I don't think Huggins cares or is surprised. And they go to San Diego, California on Friday to play the Murray State Racers from the Ohio Valley Conference. Guess who else is in the East? Another West Virginia University. This is Marshall University. So congratulations to Marshall. They win the Conference USA tournament. They make it in as a 13th seed. And they'll play Wichita State. And so I'm I'm sure this is random. Uh, The selection committee did not have this in mind. But there is a scenario where West Virginia could play Marshall in the second round. And if that happens, my head has a strong chance of exploding. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's look at the first matchup for West Virginia. Murray State, the Racers. I'll give you the good and the bad. Since this is unreasonable doubt, I'll go with the bad first. The bad is Murray State shoots threes well. Their two leading scorers make six threes a game, and they average 40%. So coming off that Kansas loss where Kansas made 15 threes and multiple times this year where West Virginia has given up a lot of threes, most of them open, this is a team in a one-game scenario that could make a bunch of threes and make it a tough game for West Virginia to win. This Murray State team is led by a senior point guard. So we've got one of those. So do they. His name is Jonathan Stark. He averages 22 points a game. Great at offense. Takes care of the ball. So that's a concern when it comes to the press. And then the other thing is that this is a 5-12 matchup. And for those of you who have filled out a bracket before, you know that a lot of upsets happen in the 5-12 game. In the last 10 years, the 12 seed is 19-21 and against the 5 seed. So 
That's amazing. That that kind of reads like what you would think an eight nine matchup would be, but it's a five twelve. So this these matchups are prone for upsets. So that is not in the favor of West Virginia, where they're the five seed. Here's the good. One thing good about Murray State is that their second best player, Terrell Miller Jr., he's a six foot eight guy, shoots threes. But that's not important. What is important is that this guy has the longest hair in college basketball history. It's amazing. We're going to see it in person. I hope he doesn't cut it. Uh, I can't imagine he will. It's it's a great head of hair. And we've talked way too much on this podcast about hair. This might be the best hair besides... <laughs> Besides the Theo Huxtable haircut, this is going to be the best one that we're going to see all year. So I'm looking forward to that. But for basketball purposes, I don't think anybody on Murray State can handle Sagabah Kanate. Uh, Kanate was scoring against skilled big men against Kansas and Texas Tech. Murray State doesn't have a physical guy like that inside, so we should be able to get it close to get some baskets, some over-the-shoulder shots from Kanate. And the point guard is great on offense. He is a liability on defense. It might be an Isaiah Thomas situation. Um, The last time West Virginia has played uh, a team like Murray State from a small conference that's on a winning streak, only lost five games, you get visions of Stephen F. Austin. The good news is that Murray State doesn't play defense like Stephen F. Austin. A couple years ago, in the Ken Pomeroy rankings, Stephen F. Austin was ranked 38th defensively. Murray State, 82nd. So this is not a shut-you-down team. This is an offensive-minded team. So overall... You always feel better for with West Virginia in the second game of the NCAA tournament versus the first. Murray State's got plenty of time to prepare. Um, that being said, Vegas has West Virginia as a 10.5-point favorite. Uh, they make money by being right, and so I'm going to give West Virginia the edge versus Murray State. And then feel pretty good about whoever they play next, Marshall or Wichita State, in the second game. No real home advantage because everybody's flying west to San Diego. So it's not going to be a home game for any of those four teams. So um, I think if West Virginia can get past Murray State, they can make it to the second weekend where they're going to have a problem because they're going to play Villanova, most likely, who is the second-ranked team in the country, according to Ken Pomeroy, and has a lot of experience, and they are a tough team to be great at offense, sound defensively. They're one of the best teams in the tournament. I don't see West Virginia getting past Villanova. Tomorrow we're going to have some other opinions on the bracket and what West Virginia's chances are in this tournament, and my guess is that they're going to be more optimistic than I am. But we'll see. Random thoughts coming up. Random thoughts for the bonus episode. Let's talk about bracket strategy. Now, take this for what it's worth. In 
over 15 years of me being in bracket pools at the office and with various folks, um, I've only won the contest one year. So I don't have a great track record, so do not take this as gospel. I'm not very good at this. But I do have a strategy. First of all, I only fill out one bracket. I'm monogamous when it comes to filling out a bracket. I don't dabble in different scenarios and putting in different brackets to increase my chances of winning. I'm a one-bracket kind of guy. Uh, I don't watch a lot of college basketball outside of watching WVU. So I focus on numbers, and I've mentioned Ken Pomeroy's website and his statistics a bunch at KenPom.com. That's the one I like, 538.com from Nate Silver. They have some models, and they give you probabilities on who has a chance of winning it all and, and how far teams can advance. I go to KenPom.com, and I look at, for the NCAA tournament, the defensive rating because... Similar to Huggins' philosophy on basketball, defense is consistent, and this is a big spotlight on teams, and offense can fade a little bit at this time of the year, and it's important. Offense is important, but I think defense is more important. So I do try to pick upsets. Some people go with the common sense of, if they're ranked higher, that they should win. And that's a sound strategy, too. I don't think it's very fun, though. I think these are just to have fun with this. And so when I pick upsets, I look at the defensive ratings on KimPop.com. And the two teams that are lower than a four seed that I predict are going to have some upsets, Loyola Chicago... Couldn't tell you one guy on the team, but what I do know is that their defense is ranked 24th in the country, and overall, they're ranked 41st as an 11 seed. So, West Virginia, for example, their defensive rating this year, and, and, and West Virginia is known for their defense, their defensive ranking this year is 39th. So according to the numbers, Loyola Chicago has a better defensive rating. And so I have them winning a few games just based on that without ever seeing them play a game. And the same thing with New Mexico State, which is a 12 seed in the Midwest bracket. Their defensive rating on Ken Pomeroy is 14. So I picture them winning a couple of games and, and having some upsets. So to go through each bracket quickly, the South bracket, poor Virginia, they were the best team this year. And what is their reward? In the second round, they've got to play either probably Kentucky, (laughs) who West Virginia fans saw Kentucky play in Morgantown, and they have, now they're, they can't, they can't, (laughs) they can't buy alcohol, But they can play basketball, and they won the SEC tournament, uh, beating Tennessee in the final. So they're hot. And they're going to play Arizona, who has a guy who's probably going to be the first pick in the NBA draft. So 
I think one of those three teams are going to make it out of the South bracket. I'm going to go with Virginia. I mean, they they won the ACC by a mile. They beat North Carolina in the finals, so they won the regular season and the conference tournament. They have enough offense, it seems like, this year. Yes, they got dealt the toughest bracket, but I think they're going to advance. And if they don't, I'm looking at one of the Wildcats, either Kentucky or Arizona. In the West bracket, it's the weakest one. Xavier in the Ken Pomeroy rankings is 14th. So Ken Pomeroy thinks that Xavier was lucky this year, record-wise. Uh, Marshall gave Xavier a good game in the early part of the season, only lost uh, the single digits to Xavier and made that an interesting game. So this is the weakest bracket. Um, I think it's going to be a repeat of last year's national championship game in the Elite Eight. It's going to be Gonzaga-UNC. And I'm going to pick UNC to get to the Final Four for the third straight year. Yes, they've lost 10 games, but they've got a senior guard. They have experience. They made it to the conference final. They're going to be a tough out, just based on experience. In the East bracket, where West Virginia's at, I really like Villanova. Even more, I like Purdue. So many seniors. they got a seven foot two guy. Who's not as good as the Arizona guy, but he's solid. It's the fundamental team, Purdue. And as West Virginia fans know, West Virginia, West Virginia got bumped by Purdue in the preseason scrimmage uh, by double digits, is what was reported. Um, Purdue, 28 and 6, strong year, fifth, according to Ken Pomeroy. Really good on offense, sound defense. You can say that about a lot of the good teams, so that's very generic. But I have Purdue beating Villanova to get to the Final Four. And then you go into the Midwest bracket, the Kansas bracket. Again, there's there's three teams that I think that can make it out. And two of those teams are going to play each other uh, if it works out in the Sweet 16 game. Michigan State and Duke are going to play each other. Uh, I always like to ride Michigan State as far as a team that's going to make it deep into the tournament because they have a history of doing that. So does Duke. So that whoever wins that game is going to give Kansas all they can handle. And so I have Michigan State being Kansas it, to get to the Final Four. I have Virginia beating North Carolina. And Purdue beating Michigan State. So two ACC teams and two Big Ten teams. And I have Purdue upsetting Virginia to win the national championship. I don't know what I'm talking about, but that's one man's opinion. Final thoughts coming up. Final thoughts for the bonus episode. Number one, before I read the emails... I want to tell you a quick story about something dumb I did at a fast food restaurant yesterday. Uh, I was at a restaurant with my family. Uh, We got our order. I have had a bad issue with shortening words uh, for no good reason. And so uh, this was coined by Will Sasso, the idea of turning the word appreciate to preach. 
And so the the nice person, very nice person at the fast food establishment uh, gave me the food and said, I was going to bring it out to you, uh, but here you go. And I was already up front. And so I took the food and I said, preach, very loud. I couldn't take it back. She made a face of confusion. And when I got back to the table, my wife had a face of disappointment. So funny things that you do with friends, uh, keep that with friends and don't put that on strangers because according to my wife, that makes you look like a jerk. On to the email. <laughs> On to the emails. Uh, I got two since we turned the inbox on at unreasonabledoubtwv at gmail.com. One was from Nikki Randolph. Nikki, thank you for the email. I'm not going to read this on the podcast, but it was very nice, very thoughtful, kind words. uh, Good suggestions for the future of Unreasonable Doubt. So thank you, Nikki, for that email. The other email is from longtime emailer Jeff Croft, subject line Oklahoma. It reads, Hello, Josh. Congratulations on the continued success of the show. I hope you will continue to put out a weekly podcast during the off-season. Parenthetically, I'll give that consideration, Jeff. I do have a question. How does Oklahoma make the tournament over Oklahoma State? Oklahoma State just won head-to-head by 11 and took the season series 2-1. Did Oklahoma get in due to an early season ESPN hype offensive, or am I missing something? Jeff. Jeff, I don't have a good answer for you, bud. Um, You look at the resumes of Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Oklahoma ended the year poorly. But you can't discount the fact that they did beat Kansas. They beat Texas Tech. They beat TCU twice, who made the tournament. They beat Wichita State, a five seed at Wichita State. And their only bad loss was to Iowa State. And and West Virginia has that bad loss as well. Oklahoma State, their record in conference, and most of their damage and their good wins was in conference. They beat Kansas twice, including going to Lawrence and beating Kansas. Beat West Virginia in Morgantown. Beat Oklahoma, as you mentioned, Jeff, twice. Beat Texas Tech. And they beat Florida State out of conference. So that was their best out of conference win. I look at the numbers when I don't watch games. My fear is that the committee did the same. And what the committee saw outside of the conference and overall strength of non-conference strength of schedule, Oklahoma's was 103. Out of 351 teams, Oklahoma State's was 309. So I'm guessing that gap in strength of schedule in the out-of-conference play helped Oklahoma look better as a resume compared to Oklahoma State. And I guess what the committee says is that the games in November and December mean just as much as the games in February and March. That's what they're saying. Um, Oklahoma State, I thought, should be in. I don't know if it would be at expense of Oklahoma. I feel like both teams should have been in. It shouldn't be one or the other. 
Oklahoma State did beat Oklahoma two out of three times. One of those games, they beat Oklahoma at home in overtime. So that's kind of a flip a coin game. Oklahoma killed Oklahoma State in Oklahoma. So it's not a give or take. I think they both should be in. But that's my guess on what the thought process was. Keep sending your emails, unreasonabledoubtwv at gmail.com. We're going to try a new format tomorrow for the second bonus episode for tournament week. I'm going to get other perspectives of West Virginia's drawn the tournament and what their thoughts on how the tournament's going to play out. Uh, if it's bad, it's my fault. So I'll go ahead and take the blame if it goes bad or if it's a bad listening experience. But I got passionate folks uh, who really pay attention to basketball uh, to give their opinions. So that will be published tomorrow. Until then, I'm Josh Witt. West Virginia hasn't played since the last time we talked, so they're still 24-10. and 10.